Welcome, fellow humans, to the Writing is on the Wall radio broadcast coming to you from WHKW 1220, a Salem radio station. If you wish to call in and ask for clarification on something I've said or to comment, please call 888-677-9673. Once again, that phone number is 888-677-9673. Now, please address me as T.A., for I am the teacher's assistant, and that phone number, once again, is 888-677-9673. This program is a non-religious, non-spiritual investigation of everything we can discern that was created, recorded, and modeled for us in the Bible. Now, this evening, this is the 13th program, and this evening I'm going to pretty much go everything over everything that I've told you, at least characterize it for you, so that, and you can look these up on the website and and listen to them, to try and get an idea of what it is that um, I'm trying to get across to you. We uh, humans started down the wrong path, and we started with Adam. Uh, Adam chose to follow the devil's lead, um, and instead of responding and opening up to God, he chose to limit his view to what he understood. And he didn't understand much. He wasn't even a farmer. So talk about falling off the turnip truck. Um, His son was the first farmer, so there were no farmers before him. Um, He just managed the park. So because of his mistake, uh, we have suffered every last moment since then by following in his footsteps. Now, I've tried to explain the difference between what what God wanted for us to do and what Adam chose for us. Adam chose to put knowledge and power at the top of our totem pole instead of understanding coupled by faith, which is puts God at the top of our totem pole. But God went a little further. He created the Bible for us. Now, the Bible is a multi-level logic tool. And I say that to try and get it across to you that it is constructed to get us to do the research and come up with decisions on our own following the methodology that is included for us in the Bible. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 tells you not to put out the Spirit's fire and not to ignore anything that is revealed, but to test everything. He didn't say just question or ignore or choose something on your own. He said to test everything. And that is the basis for not only for Christians, but for all humans that want to get back to God. Because each and every one of us, myself included, and every person that has ever been born, including Jesus Christ, was born behind enemy lines. That's right. We have all been born behind enemy lines. 
our enemy, the prince of the air, the devil, pretty much oversees everything that happens on the surface of the earth. That's us. That's where we live. Now, we have some instructions how to get ourselves out of the fix that we're in, but they're in the Bible. Now, the Bible, of course, was written 3,400 years ago in the original Testament, and it was recorded 1,700 years ago in the newer Testament about Jesus. Hmm, I wonder if those time periods have anything to do with one another. Hmm. Anyway, um, the part that's important for us is that the devil is the one who basically trains the translators. Now, they mean well. They're doing their best to respond to religious criteria. Unfortunately, the devil is already ahead of us there, too. If it's religious, but it's not in the Bible, where do you think it came from? I mean, this should not be a huge thought. Our nemesis is evil. He, it, they want something. They want us to give up our attachment to God. We don't really know why, and we need to try and figure it out. Because just saying, because I said so, doesn't work to children, and it doesn't work for humans either. We need to figure it out. So the original sin that Adam never repented was to choose to listen to evil because it looked good. It sounded good. That fruit that they tasted and they saw that it was good. Genesis 3, God warned them not to eat the fruit in advance. Now, why would he do that? Why would he have fruit available that wasn't good for them? It wasn't bad for their bodies. So why was it available? It was available because they had to make the choice to be children of God, obedient children of God, or disobedient children of God. That's what Deuteronomy is all about. Human beings have to make the choice to do what it takes to live. So far, all the choices we've made are leading us to death, just as it says in Genesis 3.3. We translated, we had translators translate that, into the singular. And in the singular, the snake says to Eve, Oh, surely you will not die just by eating this fruit. When it was actually in the plural that God said it, not only would Adam and Eve eventually die, but so would mankind, because all of mankind has been raised by other human beings. 
No person alive on this earth today or at any time in the past but was raised by anyone other than a human being except for Adam and Eve. And we know what choice they made. And their choice is the one that condemns us still today. And that's why God had the Bible written for us so that we could read it and get a better understanding of what it is that we need to do and lift ourselves out of the ever-narrowing circle of death that leads down. It's like making a copy. If you write out something and it looks good, or you and you or you draw it, or whatever it happens to be, computer generate it, it looks great, and you go and make a copy. And you pass the copies out, and someone says, hey, you know, we need some more copies. Uh-oh. I left the original in with the copies. Well, I'll just take one of these copies, and I'll copy that. And then the next time you copy that. And the next time you copy that. And you know what happens. I'm sure this has happened to you in the past. Pretty soon, it's not sharp. It's not clear. You're not really understanding why it looks that way. It's not something that jumps off the page at you and helps you. It's something that is a little hard to read. As a matter of fact, why do I have to pay attention to this anyway? It looks so shoddy. Well, that's the problem. We humans are copies of copies of copies of copies that were limited by being human, and we were raised by humans who were limited as humans. Now, when we were at least trying to read and understand the Bible and trying to open up our vistas, things worked better for us. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, most of us came here from Europe, or at least our ancestors did, and opened up a land that was the land of milk and honey. And we prospered, and our children prospered, and their children prospered and so on. My family's been here since 1746. So we have done well, and we've raised many, many generations. Of course, we came here as Scotsmen fleeing a, a problem with uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie, and uh, even though we were not Catholic, we were, um, shall we say, put on the wrong side of the law, by people who wanted the property that uh, our laird had. Anyway, a couple of brothers arrived here, and one of them got off in Pennsylvania, and the other one got off in Virginia. And I am a result of the brother who got off in Virginia. They were very strong Presbyterians. And when the opportunity came for them to rescue black brothers who could become Christians who were sold into slavery by Arabs, transported here by Englishmen and Dutchmen to sell, um, they took that opportunity and they rescued them. There's an awful lot of black people with my last name, <laughs> more so than white, and not all of them know their history. But if you were not capable of being a Christian, then our 
brothers who were black would not accept you into the family. And that's all there was to it because we wanted to rescue those who could become children of God through Christ. And that's what's very important to us Americans, or at least it was. And this is the problem. The problem is that when Protestantism was just being born, that's also when evil went in whole hog and created what we call leftism or liberalism. It wasn't called that then. But it became that, and it is evil. And it is overseeing all the problems that we have, creating them, pushing the envelope. People who don't know any better think that they are being cool or righteous even and doing anti-Christian, anti-godly things. And unfortunately, because we have not been understanding enough of what the Bible wants for us, we have allowed it. We Christians have allowed it. So our homeland here in America, created for Christians, is going down the tubes by people we allowed into the roles of power. Now, everyone can point to politicians, and I can't say you're wrong. But also, what about the university professors and the people that they raised who then went into education and went into the arts and went into literature so that everything in our communication is overseed, seen by someone who is, shall we say, of a liberal mindset? Leftist is probably closer to the truth. But why is that? Why did we permit that? I think the reason is is because we were unsure, and this is a personal opinion. We were unsure of what we should be doing because we were told by our religious founders that we should be accepting of these folks. Now, Paul didn't think that way. Jesus didn't think that way. But our religious people thought we should be accepting of all these individuals. So why did it, how did it come to the religious masters, if you will, telling us that we should accept all these people that are doing and saying things that the Bible says is not good for us? And we listened, or at least we didn't do anything. I don't think there's anybody that seriously thinks that abortion, because it's inconvenient, is a good idea. And yet, we let people do it. We let the government fund it with our money. Our transgressions are many, but the problem stems from the fact we don't know any different. We have allowed ourselves to be pushed along as sheep. And the Judas goats have taken over to lead us to the slaughter. Well now, God knew that this was going to happen, told us this back at the beginning, and we ignored it. 
So for 6,000 years, we have been sinning with our every motion, moment, and breath. And sin means that you are missing the mark. And the reason you're missing the mark is because you didn't choose the mark. You're allowing somebody else to target for you. So everything you do is going to miss the mark because they are not targeting anything that will help you. They are targeting things that will help them and their master, the prince of the air, the father of evil. Well, here we are in 2021. You say, well, T.A., what are we going to do? We have to realize how you got in this fix. But in the Bible, it tells you, and you have to read the Bible for content, it's not listed 1 through 10 like the Ten Commandments, which would make it very easy. But it's not. You have to read it to understand that God said we should build a foundation for our future, our society, our civilization, on his faith in our ability to succeed. Now, we have not shown that yet. But because he had that faith in us and he had the Bible created for us, not just written, but created, I hope you realize that the people going out of Egypt were a group that he put together and kept them attenuating until they were sure of who they were and what they wanted to be in the desert. And then he brought them to the mountain and he signed a contract with them. And he gave them the tenets of civilization. Now those ten commandments are the tenets of civilization. You cannot build a civilization without those. Other people have used some of them, Hammurabi's law. There's a, a code of conduct of ethics that resounds to this, and that's because it's something that humans have always wanted, and that is to be free of any kind of influence. But we're not free. We accepted influence and didn't realize it. We accepted uh, the opportunity for someone else to choose our perspectives, and we didn't realize it. And that's why God had the Bible created and written for us, so that we would have something that we could read and we could understand. On top of that foundation of God's faith in us, he told us that we should use logic, and that's very important, and I'll speak to it after the break. You should use logic and then manipulate that logic with reason. And then when you come up with a conjecture that you think might work, check with wisdom and see, have this, does this have good real-world results? That will basically be good for everyone. Will this get us further down the path? And those are the first three cornerstones. Now, the fourth cornerstone 
brought to us by Jesus, and that is grace and truth. Many people call this love. Unfortunately, love have many other connotations. So let's stick with the original, and that's grace and truth. So with that and the Ten Commandments, we can build a civilization. And we did. Welcome to the United States of America. 1700s, our founders, put forth on this continent. And we prospered like no other country on the face of the earth. Unfortunately, we didn't weed our garden. And the weeds overtook us, and the weeds are choking out the Christians. And this was created as a Christian homeland. It doesn't mean that only Christians should live here, but it does mean that Christians are charged with the responsibility with operating the United States of America in a fashion that it will remain the homeland for Christians and that we can improve and translate what it is we're doing now to what God wants us to do. Now, in the 21st century, we call that, I call that, the objective decision-making criteria. God said, use reality as your guide. If it's not real, it doesn't count. Perception is a joke. Everybody has an opinion, and they count for nothing. That is what he was telling us back in generation, gener, Genesis pardon me, 3.3, that humanity would eventually die if they followed the subjective path for decision-making. And we are getting close to that time now. Not that we're going to die, but we're about to lose our civilization, the thing that we use to house and feed and protect us and our children because we have allowed the weeds to grow in the garden to where they're choking out the vine with the fruit. So this is something that we need to address. And a couple of minutes from now, we will go to break, and then when I come back, I will talk about ways to address that. But the thing that you need to think about between now and then is what is it going to take for us to see what it is that the Bible has in store for us. Do you want to live to eat, or do you want to eat to live? Evil is live backwards, and I'm sure you understand that. You can live to succeed and be one of God's children and grow up and find out why you were created, what purpose he had in mind for you, or... You can party until the cops show up and die off, which is the way we're going now. But in order for us to succeed, we're going to have to take back our country and we're going to have to restructure it along the lines that the original founders gave us. And then, of all things, we're going to have to switch from this human-limited point of view to a reality point of view. 
we're going to have to seek God, which is what the Bible's all about. I'm going to have to find out how many times he said it, but God many times said, I will let anyone who seeks me wholeheartedly with his all his might and soul find me. And that's what we need to switch to, is that particular track. I'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Go ahead and get something to uh, drink if you like, and something to eat. See you in a few minutes. Swamp, fake news, racist hats. Are you afraid to believe anymore? Well, let me tell you of one brave soul who, like David, slew Goliath. The true story of one man's fight against greed, corruption, and insatiable ambition in small-town Ohio, Checkmate reveals why passion and integrity are rare in the corridors of swing state politics. If you want to hear the truth, how the swamp operates in Ohio with all the political corruption in real time, get Steve Krause's tell-all true-life story, Checkmate, One Man's Fight Against Political Corruption, available on Amazon. As a newly elected state representative, Steve takes you behind the scenes, behind the closed doors, and rips back the curtain to expose all the lies, the deceit, and power-hungry gamesmanship. Checkmate reads like a TV drama, but it's not. Once you start it, you won't be able to put it down. Checkmate, one man's fight against political corruption by Steve Krause, available on Amazon today. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There are those in Washington who want the IRS to take more of your hard-earned money. Are you tired of being the perpetual cash cow for every scheme, unreasonable program, and for all the fraud, waste, and abuse in our system? Well, good news. I can help. George Satari has almost 40 years of experience helping people like you keep more of what you make. It makes no sense that the more you make, the more they take. Let George help you keep your money away from the government bureaucratic waste and in your pocket. Call 216-651-1120 right now and schedule your free consultation today. Instead of a victim, you'll You'll be be the the victor. victor. With many success stories, George helps with tax planning, estate planning, financial and business analysis, and more. The new tax law has many ways to save money with retirement planning, accelerated depreciation, up to 20% exception of net earnings, and so much more. Call 216-651-1120. That's 216-651-1120. You earn it, we'll help you keep it. That's George Satari, CPA, 216-651-1120. fellow humans to the writing is on the wall. Once again, I am T.A., the teacher's assistant. Of course, our teacher was Jesus. Um, I am not religious. I'm not religious because um, it's a waste. Now, if you enjoy your religion, that's great. Think of it like um, the benevolent protective order of Elks, a club that you belong to. But God was really clear in what he wanted for us, and he had it outlined for us in the Bible. Now, 
The Bible, as we've discussed, has been translated many times by many people, and each and every one of those people has been affected by the prince of the air. Now, it's hard to believe. We want to think that we're free and that everything is open and that nobody is trying to shade the truth or try and hide anything from us, certainly not from the Bible. But if you open up a, an app, if you will, I do it on a computer and open several of them, and you start reading things in different versions, you'll find really quickly the things that you say, hmm, why is this different? Why is this written this way here and this way there? Now, if you were to speak directly to those people, you'd find that each one of those humans raised by other humans in a society of humans also went to a theological seminary who was taught by other humans, who had been themselves taught by other humans. So you're getting the benefit of theological jurisprudence uh, passed down through the centuries. Now, the problem is that this is limiting. This is always going to be a little bit more fine-tuned and less rigorous. That's just the nature of human interaction. Until we stumble across something like computers and cell phones and things like that, we don't understand what's happening. We just keep kicking the can down the road. But then when we do stumble across something like that, all the stuff that we don't understand and don't expect and have no knowledge of kind of blows out of us. Now, I had a hard time when I was young, and I bought a computer. I had a hard time understanding when the web got set up how a machine that I bought and paid for to have certain software on it could instead be taken over by someone else. That wasn't right. I didn't pay for that. I spent my hard-earned money buying that computer. What gave this individual the right to mess it up? And yet they did. And the first time or two, I could get it cleaned. But then the people who wrote the operating system said, well... We've had to do too many updates to that, so we're coming out with a new operating system. And you know what? The, system, the computer you own now does not have enough room in its hard drive. So you're going to have to get a new computer. Because we're going to quit tinkering with the operating system on your old one. So it looks like they are willing for you to have a computer for about 10 years. And then you have to go get another one because that's all they will continue to clean up the mistakes that they originally left open for these people who have not your best interests at heart. 
They want money. They want power. They like playing tricks. Um, and they do it at your expense. Well, just because I never had a, a desire to do that to anybody else does not mean that there wasn't a human somewhere who did. I think we all realize that now. Well, who do you think the master of those humans is? And you know what? They acknowledge him. And that's a problem because they look just like any one of us and we don't know who their master is. That's the problem. And that is always going to be the problem with subjective methodology and decision-making. If you are only willing to make a decision based on what you think is good for you and what it will bring to you or your friends or the people you approve of or the party you approve of or whatever, you will only ever be getting part of anything. Now, it may be the part that you approve of, but what does that mean? That means that the rest will go elsewhere or it will die off. And that's the problem with our civilization. We're allowing it to die off. It's being choked by these people with other agendas who do not want to obey God. Now, the reason they don't want to obey God is because they think that God is synonymous with religion. And that brings us back to where I started, which is why I am not a religious person. God is so far above religion that to even speak them in the same sentence is disheartening. Religion is what man used originally to try and understand God. But what happened was, like any club, once you joined, they had a problem if you didn't obey. They say, well, we're going to throw you out of the club. Back in the day, that was called excommunication. But they had more severe penalties, too. And the gentleman that I'm about to talk to you about who wrote the Institutes of the Christian Religion. His name was John Calvin, and he was a Catholic lawyer, Roman Catholic lawyer, trained as a Roman Catholic lawyer. So how did he end up writing the book, if you will, for Christians that did not want to follow Roman Catholicism that protested against the what they saw as the evils being overseen by the Roman Catholic Church. Well, we would like to think that our heroes, and what he did was heroic, were good people and never did anything wrong. But then they wouldn't be human, would they? So, yeah, he did do things wrong. The thing that you need to, and I would urge you to look up John Calvin uh, on the Wikipedia while it's still there, <laughs> at least the parts that are important, and find about Michael Servetus. 
Michael the servant. Um, I'm not sure I should go into that tonight, but that is what led me to find John Calvin and the linchpin of humanity. John Calvin and Geneva is where the final battle was joined. Shouldn't say that, maybe, well, the final battle was declared. There we go. There was a, an individual who was a an international businessman dealing in, of all things, playing cards. This individual decided that from his point of view, since Jesus had paid for the sins of all mankind, there was nothing that any one individual could do to any other individual that was evil. Everything was allowed. Now, we'll get in depth into Mr. Amelie's creation of the libertines, which became the liberals, which became the leftists, which became communism, which became fascism, Nazism. All of these... Socialism, they all depended from this day in January, 1546. When he came to John Calvin, who was the head of the clerical facilities for the city of Geneva, which was considered a city-state, <clears throat> And even though he was an uneasy head, he was the top guy at that time. And he read out Mr. Emily for some of his shenanigans. Mr. Emily came to him and said, There's no need for us to be at cross purposes here. I am an individual in league with other individuals who nature has marked out as superior to the average run-of-the-mill person. Do you catch that? Because I have raised myself up, I'm not of noble birth, but I'm making enough money that I have People who are of noble birth owing me money. I am their superior in all but name. Nature has made me what I am. And because it has chosen me and my, shown my superiority, I should be permitted with my friends to lead the herd of humanity. And when need arises, to call the herd of those less productive individuals 
who could actually harm the health of the herd if they were allowed to propagate. With this short speech, we hear Nazism, we hear Communism, we hear Socialism. We hear one man choosing to put himself over another and saying that he can do anything he wants because he has the money to do it. And people will let him do it. And they'll let him do it because he is superior to those that he's going to do it to. And this is what started the problem. And this is what started libertinism. And the reason that they had to change their names is because they went to people who were nobly born and got them to revel in their excess. They would go to... They would tell them, eh, listen, use your power and authority and money to get some individuals from the insane asylums and bring them and party with them. And if they don't make it through the party, eh, so much. Do whatever you want with them. Because Jesus paid the sins for all humanity, so you cannot do anything. Your soul is not in danger. Now, just hearing those words, anybody that's a Christian would go, oh my God, how could anybody fall for that? And yet, they have, and they do. How many people in education think that they are better because they have degrees? Think that they are better than the students they teach, the parents of the students that pay them, the administrators who pay them, who supposedly are bureaucrats that watch over them, but in effect pretty much let them run the institution. Teachers now have unions so that even if there was an administrator that wanted to get rid of them, the union would object. If they want more money, the union will just make sure that they get it. If they want to be allowed to do certain things and teach certain things that have never been allowed in school before, the union will make sure that they can. So now you know where all this started. It started first, of course, with Adam making the wrong choice, listening to evil and choosing knowledge and power over understanding. So that was the first mistake. And it continued on like that, wrestling for thousands of years. The devil would get a little ahead, and then good-hearted men would try and take it back. But there was about a 700-year period when good-hearted men were not really around. And then Jesus was born. Jesus came into that time period not only to enhearten those men who would be willing servants, but for the future. Everything he did was not for the people of that time. 
And I've mentioned in the past, last week I'm sure, the week before I'm even sure, John 3, where Nicodemus was asking him about being born again. And he couldn't understand. He thought, you cannot physically go back into your mother's moon. He said, no, this is not physical. You must make decisions based on reality and what God has instructed. And I gave you the four cornerstones earlier. It's God's faith in humanity that they can succeed. The first cornerstone of logic, the second one of reason to manipulate the logic, and the third of wisdom to check and see if those manipulations have actual, probable, real-world success for them. And then use them, use grace and truth to apply those real-world results. So that's what God told us to do. And we didn't hear it because we were too busy looking for power, authority, knowledge. I'm sure you've heard the saying, knowledge is power. There you go. But that is not what God wanted for us. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, make your decisions based on what God has told you in the original Testament. And then everything will be real. The truth, grace and truth, the truth will make you free. When he told us that being born again meant that we would not have to go back and look over all the mistakes that we had made and try and rectify those, we could allow those to be washed away. All we had to do was structure our current and future life so that we could respond to God's efforts for us. And that is what I've told you already, the four cornerstones based on the foundation of faith. When you start building a civilization on that and you start looking towards the future and saying, all right, God wanted me to do this and he wanted me to do it this way, and he said, I don't have to worry about the mistakes I've made in the past. I'm shooting not to make any more in the future by following this path. I'm not going to do what I think is best. I'm going to do what he has shown me to be best. And if I can't figure it out, I'm not going to do it. I'm not just because it sounds good or it makes me feel good is not a good enough reason to do it. You should pray. You should test everything. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. And don't reject anything that God has revealed. Test everything and choose what is good. That's the method. Paul reiterated it to the Thessalonians the first time he was saying, guys, I'm sorry I can't be there with you. And he was ending his letter. And it is so elemental that we use it to this day. In future weeks, and I'm not done yet, I'm just telling you, the things that we are going to go over will be the foundation, the fact that there is a different way of doing things, and we need to get to that way of doing it, and what it will look like once we begin to rebuild the United States of America using our founders'
precepts, but with the goal not just of kicking the can down the road and having more TVs and and time on the computer or whatever else, but actually working towards discovering why it is that God wants us to succeed. Now, most of that information is not in the Bible, only the structure. We need to work on it. And the good part about all this is God does not want you to believe me. He wants you to figure it out for yourself. Now, not everyone will be capable of it to the same degree. And that's why you find someone you can trust to tell you what it is, not that what God wants, but that what you should think about and pray about and ask God for enlightenment towards. Pray unceasingly, every minute of every day, because we need to figure this out. I do not want God to be disappointed in us, and you should not want that either. Everything that we've done to this point is a disappointment to him because we are not following his path. I am. I do it in my everyday life. People say, well, you're not making decisions like this and that and the other thing. And I said, if I make them, they are tentative, and I realize that. I do not jump in with both feet on anything and just do it because it sounds good. Every time I do that, I wind up with problems. And that's my human prerogative, to wind up with problems. But God will help me solve them as long as I pay attention. And that's the problem. We have not been paying attention. So we have enough problems now that we are about to start paying attention. And this that I've outlined for you, which is what is stated in the Bible, is what we're going to have to pay attention to. Because God loved us so much, he said, do not pay attention to the fact that I am God, that I accepted that position. Understand that the cornerstone of everything is John 1.1, and that is logic rules all. So look to logic, and you'll be looking at God. All right, well, that's about my time, I think, right? Oh, I know, I've got a couple more minutes. Thank you. Well, those are important words. Those are things that we have to emulate. Those are the things that we have to learn to do. I will let you know a little bit more. Uh, hopefully next week, although I have an opportunity to be on a Zoom call with Dennis Prager next week. So if I can get a show recorded in advance, that's what you'll be hearing next week. And um, I will try and lay out the entire program, including what we have to transition to in order to take back our country. The United States of America which God created as the homeland for Christians, just as much as Israel was created for the Jews. So I'll try and get all that done between now and next week because I definitely want to be on that Zoom call. 
I would love for Mr. Prager to come on and discuss this with me on our air. But I haven't had the chance to ask him yet. Hopefully next week I will. But the fact of the matter is that I think that we can all see now that there is just too much opportunities to screw up in the human way of doing things, the way that Adam chose for us. We are, I think we are proving God right that this way will eventually lead to our destruction, humanity's destruction, just as it's leading to the most capable civilization ever created. I mean, after all, how many others got to the moon? All right, well, now my time is up. All right. Thank you so much, Andrew. And folks, please remember, God loves you so much that he wants you to understand why he's done everything for you. In Jesus' name we pray. We'll see you soon. Thank you.